When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 30 of DBR Bites. We are here to preview the game against the Hofstra Pride that is coming. They are coming to Cameron on Tuesday night. We are fresh off this win against Charlotte, and now it is time to preview the very next game, which seems like we had a week off, and now we got a game in like two days. So we're going to preview this game. Before we get to all that, my name is Donald Wine. I'm the host for this DBR Bites. I have Jason Evans alongside me. Jason, good, you know, hello to you. But also, Jason, I, I checked my email and I have not seen the proposal from Shohei Otani yet. I, I you know, I'm not sure where yeah, it what's went. Going I, on? I don't know if it hit spam, but did, did you get it? No, no. Unfortunately, I have not gotten it yet. We're only asking for a small percentage of his $700 million to be the permanent sponsor of this podcast. I don't know why he hasn't responded yet. Seems like a it's great like, deal to me. It's like one one thousandth of a salary. <laughs> I don't even know the math in that, but it seems right. Um, but if you have seen Shohei Otani, just let him know. DBRpodcast at gmail.com. Email us, and we'll take care of all that uh, on the offside. But enough about baseball. By the Let's way, Donald, wait, I'm doing the math really yeah. quick. So one one thousandth, he's going to be making $70 million a year. One one thousandth would be $70,000, I think. Yes. Oh, that sounds great. Sounds yeah. great, Jason. We'll take it. <laughs> yeah. We can we can have a nice nice little setup here uh, with with mics and everything. Uh, our hosting fees will be zero. That would be great. Um, but anyway, let's get to the basketball. We're here to to preview the Hofstra Pride out of the Coastal Athletic Association, which was formerly the Colonial Athletic Association. Of course, we talk about conference realignment and expansion. They changed their whole name because of conference realignment and expansion. So uh, the the Coastal Athletic Association is where Hofstra Pride plays. They are six and three. On the season, 101st in Kempom. They have wins over St. Joseph's of New York, not the one in Philly, uh, Buffalo, Wright State, High Point, USF, and Iona. But they also have losses to Princeton, George Washington, and St. Louis University. Jason, they actually had a five-game winning streak going until they lost on the road on Saturday at St. Louis. And Jason, that's just a, a brief preview of what Hofstra has done so far. Let's get into what they do uh, from a metric side, but I want to leave with this. One thing that I see about Hofstra, we, we see this Hofstra team, they may not be big. They're one of the most experienced in, in Division One. but one thing they have not done this year is play a guy that has had two fouls in the first half. That's very rare, but it also means that there might be a way to weaken them because as you're going to probably talk about, they have an experienced lineup and they go with the same guys for a lot of the game. Oh yeah, big time. Big time. You mentioned, by the way, they're, Ken Pomeroy's number 101 team in the land. I, I want to be really, really clear so folks understand that uh, this is a this is a quality opponent. Uh, uh, if Hofstra were in the ACC, they they would they would not be like at the bottom of the of the conference uh, in terms of you know they're they're ranked not dissimilar to like a Syracuse or a Boston College. That that's that's the kind of opponent that Duke is playing here, and 
uh, look, these are dangerous games. This is a game where if you lose, it looks really bad. But this is a team that's absolutely capable of beating Duke. Ken Pomeroy says there's a 10% chance that Duke loses this game. He projects that Duke will win it 80 to 66. But he says there's a solid, t- actually 11% chance that Duke wins this game, that Duke loses this game. It is worth noting before I get into all the other advanced metrics, I do want to point out something about Hofstra. They're coached by Speedy Claxton. Speedy Claxton was yeah. a fine NBA player, an outstanding college player, played at Hofstra, by the way, um, but had a really nice NBA career in the 2000s. And since he arrived a few years ago to coach this team, they have been at the top of the CAA. Yeah, the conference's name has changed, but it's still the same conference. He's been at the top of the CAA with this team every year. They don't necessarily win it every year, but they're at the top. And you can pretty much book them for about 20 wins per season. So this is a, you know, this is an important team to beat. This is a team that's probably going to look fairly good in the net rankings and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, this it's not an easy game. This is not like some of the games Duke has had earlier this year where it looked like a complete mismatch. And I'm going to tell you why it's not a mismatch. Because this is an outstanding. This Hofstra team is a really great shooting team. They have the number 79 offense in the country, according to Pomeroy. That's because they hit almost 38% of their three-pointers. That is a big number. 38% on threes. They hit 55% on two-point shots as a team, 55 and 81% of their free throws. They're the third best free throw shooting team in the country. Donald, do not put them on the line. They will break your back. They will bury you if you put them on the line. All that combines together, hitting the threes, hitting the twos, hitting the free throws. It gives them an effective field goal percentage of better than 55%. 55.7% is their effective field goal percentage. That's, you know, sort of factoring in hitting threes and hitting twos and stuff like that. 31st best in the NCAA. I mean, that's really good, man. And they shoot a ton of three-pointers. That is their lifeblood. More than 46% of their shots come from behind the line, from behind the three-point line. They're one, they shoot three-pointers like, 30th most in the like top 30 in the country in terms of the number of three-pointers they're going to fire up there they're not big on penetrating getting into the lane they don't get to the free throw line very much at all have a really low free throw rate compared to the number of field goals that they shoot and they're not much of an offensive rebounding team they don't really go to the boards a lot they just grab 24 percent of their missed shots which is very very low that's why as good a shooting team as they are the reason they are not more higher ranked in offense, even though they're a very good offense. The reason they're not even higher is because they just don't get many second chance points at all. Um, On defensive rebounding, they're not much better. They allow almost a third of their opponent's misses to be turned into offensive rebounds. Duke must take advantage on the offensive boards. We must offensive rebound against this team. This is not a team that is particularly big. This is not a team that focuses on rebounding a lot. Duke has to take advantage there. Otherwise, this could be a very difficult day. On D, I mentioned the offense, but on defense, they're not as good, by the way, on defense as they are on offense. They give up a lot of three-pointers. Opponents score almost 40% of their points from behind the three-point line against Hofstra, and their opponents hit better than 35% from three-point range. Uh, This Duke team has been up and down on three-pointers. Last game, they were up. They've had several games where they were down. If they're down against Hofstra, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, that's going to be a problem because one of the easiest places to get points against Hofstra is outside the, the arc, the three-point line, because they're fairly good at blocking shots. They're good at defending two-point shots. Their opponents only hit 43% of their two-point field goals. Remember, just a few moments ago, I told you Hofstra hits 55% of their two-point field goals. They only give up 43%. So this is a team that is really good at defending 
like the paint and, uh, you know, two-point shots. They're outstanding at that. You can hit them. You can get them behind the three-point line, and Duke is going to have to do that to succeed. Last thing I wanted to mention in the advanced metrics, Donald, you alluded to this. Ken Pomeroy tracks experience. You know, how, given the minutes that people play, given how long they're on the floor, how many years of experience they have at the Division I level, Hofstra is 20th in the country, the 20th most experienced team in the land. That's going to be a big deal against a Duke team that is still a fairly young team. Despite Jeremy Roach playing minutes and despite us having a few sophomores and such, we are a very young team. And Hofstra is super, super experienced. Nothing but juniors and seniors for the most part playing in this game. And lots of, you know, lots of guys who are playing extra COVID years and stuff like that. Um, and like you said, they don't use their bench much at all. I mean, I'm talking like one of the one of the lowest bench minute teams in the country. Only 21% of their minutes goes to guys who come off the bench. And they really, I, my bet is they'll play seven guys again, maybe eight, but probably only seven guys against Duke. And they've got a trio of players um, in Tyler Thomas, uh, Darlin Stone Dunbar, and uh, Jaquan Carlos, who are each going to end up playing 35 plus minutes against, I, I mean, Tyler Thomas, probably going to play all 40 minutes against Duke. They, they just don't, those three guys do not, Thomas, Dunbar, and Carlos do not come off the floor for Hofstra. Those guys are on there pretty much every minute of the game. I want to expand a little bit more on the players that we're going to see, uh, and even the rotations, because as you mentioned, there's there's one rotation we're going to see for a, a, a lion's share of the game from Hofstra. But before we do that, let's take a quick break. On the other side, we'll talk about the players, and we'll talk about what Duke needs to do to defeat the Pride. More after this. Hey there, Duke fans. You know, warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors. No prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer. Thanks to the menu of chef-created meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. That's right, Jason. And Jason, I can tell you, I just got some meals. They're fantastic. And the great thing is, like you said, two minutes, mindless work, pop it in the microwave, do what you need to do, and it's ready to eat. No more cooking, no more cleaning pots and pans. And also, there's a lot of choices with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So you'll always have new flavors to explore. All right. So head to factormeals.com slash dukebb50. Use that code DUKEBB50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code DUKEBB50 at factormeals.com. Get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy Factor Meals from the Duke Basketball Roundup. All right, Jason, we are back, and we are discussing the Hofstra Pride, who are coming to Cameron on Tuesday night to take on the Blue Devils. You mentioned the metrics, and you mentioned a, a couple of players. We start to get into some of the players, but Jason, I want to get back to you with this, because when we were talking about, you were talking about some of the players, their depth chart 
is tremendous because when you think about it, you mentioned that they may go six or seven deep. This team for the lion's share of each game usually only plays five guys. And that's uh, Jaquan Carlos, Tyler Thomas, Bryce Washington, Darlington Dubar, and Jacko Fritz. They play almost 40% of the time. They start almost 60% of their games. And I think there's only been one or two guys that have filtered into the lineup at certain points. And you also mentioned the bench minutes. They don't really use their bench because, as I mentioned before, when they have guys that get two fouls, they come out of the game. They don't come back in until the second half. So for me, when I'm looking at this team, one, I'm looking at a team that can get tired, right? Because we can get them, especially the fact that they're not that big. If we bruise them and are a little bit more physical with them, then maybe they get a little tired. Also, they could get into foul trouble. The second thing that I think about is the number of threes that they take. You mentioned they take a ton of threes. Perimeter defense is going to be key in this game. Again, a focal point that we are missing in Tyrese Proctor. If he, They haven't officially said what uh, his injury has been, but we anticipate that he's also going to be out for this game. So again, that perimeter defense needs to come from somewhere. This might be another instance where Jalen Blakes gets a lot of minutes uh, off the bench because that perimeter defense and his ability to be able to just stymie the other team into making bad decisions with the basketball is going to be crucial because if they, Jason, if they are going to score most of their points from threes, they can't do that if they don't shoot them. They can't do that if they, if they're frustrated. And I think again, reaching in the passing lanes are going to be a thing on offense for Duke being able to, to pass the ball around like we did against Charlotte, getting more assists, moving the ball around is going to be key because these guys are playing teams that like to stand still. And if we're moving the ball around, that is going to hurt their defense. And again, create more frustration on their part. Yeah. And if you're talking about shooting a lot of threes, you're talking about Tyler Thomas. Um, I don't want to call him a gunner, but Tyler Thomas is a gunner. <laughs> I think he shot like almost what well, he shot like 83 pointers of the season so far. 81. The number of three, I have that in my number notes. He has attempted 81 three-pointers on the year. Just for comparison, so you're aware, the guy who's led Duke, the guy who's taken the most three-pointers for Duke this year is Jared McCain with 39. So if you take our guy who has shot the most three-pointers for us and double it, you're still not at the number of three-pointers that Tyler Thomas has attempted. Tyler Thomas is one of the better guards that Duke is going to face this year. I'm not kidding with you. Dude averages 23.6 points per game. That's just a huge number. And I mentioned he shoots a ton of threes. That's because he makes them. He's hitting 41.5% of his three-pointers. This is a guy who will just, you know, come up and drain it in your face. By the way, do not put him on the free throw line on free throws this year. He is 27 of 28 on the season, 96%. This is a man who uh, can shoot the ball really well. And Wait, I think Jason, Duke, Jason quick, quickly yeah, on yeah. Tyler Thomas it's not that just he's that he shoots a lot of threes. He shoots a lot in general. They've only yeah. had nine games and he has shot the ball 150 times. His arms must be just exhausted by the number of shots that he takes. But again, that points out the fact that despite this team that's going to be shooting a lot of threes, this man still takes the lion's share. If you take Tyler Thomas out of rhythm, this Hoster team has to figure out how to recover from that. And so far they haven't. It's the games that Tyler Thomas hasn't been doing well that Hoster has lost. Yeah, and and the thing I want to note about Tyler Thomas is you mentioned that, I mean, obviously Tyrese Proctor is almost certainly, I, I think there's no, John Shire basically said at least, it's going to be at least another week. Uh, so Tyler, so Tyrese Proctor is not going to play. And 
the 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 best perimeter defender that Duke has in our starting lineup was Tyrese Proctor. I I really I don't know who's going to pick up Tyler Thomas from the start for Duke, but I think this is a game where you're going to see Jalen Blake's playing significant minutes again because we're going to try and put him on Tyler Thomas. Jalen Blake's is a defensive dog. He will, you know, he's going to get in your face and be physical with you. And that's probably the way to to combat a guy like Tyler Thomas, who is such a great, great shooter and and likes to shoot so much. So I, I, I think you'll see Blake's having big minutes again. The other guy to really look at from Hostra who is significant is Darlin Stone Dunbar, who averages 17.7 points per game. I mean, like ordinarily a guy who averages almost 18 points per game would be your leading scorer. He's like six points away from being their leading scorer because they get so much from Tyler Thomas, but uh, Darlin Stone Dunbar is, is another dude who, uh, you know, he he's, he's a really good out hitting 35% of his three pointers. He is great on two point shots. This is a guy who, who does a nice job. He, he's, he's like their small forward power forward. And, and you're probably gonna see Mark Mitchell guarding Dunbar, but Dunbar does an outstanding job of getting to places where he can really hit a high percentage of his two point shots. He's hitting 65 and a half percent of his two pointers. That's a huge number. And if you're able to frustrate, if you can frustrate him, then it means that Hofstra really becomes nothing but a team that is, you know, trying to hit three pointers that they're, they're not able to do any, because he's there. Dunbar is their half court offense. You know, that's, that's the, you know, that's the way they sort of run their half court offense is through him. Um, You know, when, when Tyler Thomas isn't just taking a shot on, on the fly. And if you can frustrate Dunbar, then I think that will go a long, long way for Duke. And and I, I do think last thing I wanted to mention, I think it's worth noting, they're they're not they're not a big team, both in terms of height and in terms of girth. Mm-hmm. So their their center, you mentioned Jocko Fritz, is 6'10, but he's just 215 pounds. And he's the biggest guy on the team. There are a lot of guys on this team that are like their weights are in like in the 170s and 180s. There's just you know, there's like nobody over 220 pounds on this team, that, that no, no one that plays significant minutes. So Kyle Filipowski, who's close to 240, Mark Mitchell is close to 230. I mean, we got we got some big guys who are going to be able to push their way around a little bit. I, I think Caleb Foster, you know, this may be, and, and, J, and Jeremy Roach are both guys who are, you know, physical when they take the ball to the bucket. This may be the kind of game where they can really use their bodies against an experience again super experienced Hofstra team but not a team that is physically big um either in size or in weight and, and I think that Duke's going to need to take advantage of that against a team that can potentially shoot you out of the gym this is the game that I hope Kyle Filipowski gets back on track on offense because this is a game that's set up for him to be able to exploit one of the weaknesses that Hofstra has in their defense right I, I think their interior defense is going to they're 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 out their perimeter defense is going to far outpace their interior defense and again Kyle Filipowski is one of the best players in this country he's he should be able uh, to get to the rack get you know get his shots and hopefully uh, either make them or go to the free throw line where he's more comfortable but again just like we didn't do against Charlotte get him into positions where he has the ball in his hands that he kind of looks and goes oh yes this is my, this is my zone I can get into my zone from this point and that way it's more not necessarily about him fighting to get his good shots off is him being in positions where it's effortless. And I think that's, that will ease some of the frustrations that he's had so far in this year. Yeah. Last thing I have on Hofstra, usually when you play a team like this, you wonder, you know, are they, 
are they a team that's going to be a little bit overwhelmed by the moment of playing Duke in Cameron, uh, playing a, you know, a big time power five team? Uh, Donald, you mentioned, you know, if you look at their schedule thus far this year, like Princeton is, is like the, the biggest name team they play. They just haven't, they haven't played any big time teams, but Hofstra typically, yeah, you know, again, with an, a team that th- there's this experience, they are not someone who shies away from a challenge. Last year, they had a game against Purdue. They also played Rutgers and Cincinnati in the NIT. The year before, they had regular season games against Houston, Maryland, and Arkansas. Hofstra will not be overwhelmed by playing in Cameron. They will not be overwhelmed by playing a bunch of five-star recruits like Duke. I I expect I won't be surprised at all if this is a very close competitive game. Um, This Hofstra team is a team that deserves a lot of respect. I think they're a team that's going to have a good record at the end of the year. And Duke needs to come out focused. We need to play hard and smart on defense and we need to hit our shots on offense because if we don't, it it, it could be a, a real nail biter in a game that I think most Duke fans probably don't expect to be close. This is one where it, I know it could be a, a close game, but you want it to be comfortable because Hofstra is going to make that a better win going forward, right? Like they're a team that's, you know, one that's they're, they're picked to, I, I believe they're picked to win the CAA. They've been at or near the top of the CAA the last few years. Yeah. And, they have they're gonna have plenty of opportunities for people to go, oh yeah, we beat that Hofstra team by 10 or 11, but look, they've they haven't lost but like one sense. Like this is a game that we want to win because it's going to look better uh on those net rankings moving forward. But again, that is on Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time. That game is on ESPN two. So check your check your cable listings for that. Also, Tuesday is the fifth birthday of my godson. So happy birthday, Ethan. Your uncle Donald loves you, and hopefully Duke will give you a nice birthday present. Uh, in the form of a win on Tuesday. With that, that will end episode 30 of DBR Bites. Thank you, as, as always, for listening. We will be back after the Hofstra game to recap everything that went down. But until then, for Jason Evans, I am Donald Wine, and this is now time for the Duke Band to play us out and take us home. Yeah,